Uh, we left off, at least I wrote that we left off, on chapter 11, verse 7. Jesus is still speaking to the crowd, and he turns the uh, attention. He had just talked about the rock of offense, mm. and he turned his attention to John. Now, he spent some time on this, and it's really important what he's doing, because John is extreme. John gets about as much press about his life and what happens to him as anybody other than Jesus and Paul. When you stop and think about it, I mean, how much we're told about John, uh, because he really matters. And Jesus has to do this because people were following John, and he needs to explain who John was, because uh, people aren't sure what to do. Like, everybody, before Jesus showed up, John was the dude. I mean, huge crowds were coming out. John was so powerful, he could say anything he wanted to anybody he wanted, and nobody could do anything to him because the crowd was behind him. Well, John's been arrested, and... Uh, his disciples had just come to see if, you know, he sent his disciples and we just went through that before. And uh, so he takes, after explaining uh, to his disciple, to John's disciples, uh, you know, I am who John thinks, who he thinks I am. Uh, he spends a little, after they leave, he spends a little time telling us about John. So we're going to spend a little time. If Jesus thought it was worthwhile, maybe it is worthwhile. We'll, we'll, we'll give Jesus the benefit of the doubt because we're Christians. Uh, verse 7. As these men were going away, these are the two disciples of John. Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. Uh, what did you go out in the wilderness and see? A reed shaken by the wind? Uh, Jesus explains John, perhaps Jesus addressing John's question, uh, asking if he's the one. Because it's got to be a little, you know, we discussed this last time, but it's got to be a little interesting. Why is John answering this question? Are you the one? When when he baptized me, he pointed and said, that's the one. So what happened? You know, why was this? And, I, and as I said before, uh, I believe the question was asked so it could be answered. So Jesus could say, yes, I am. And that just makes sense. This may be Jesus saying John was never shaken before and his faith is not shaken now. See, what, in my opinion, what he's saying here about John is in case people heard the question, they're saying, is John now doubting Jesus, who, who he is? And Jesus saying, this guy isn't shaken by anything. You know, is that how you know him? That he's easily swayed? You know, he was never shaken before in his faith and he's not shaken now. Uh, the question has to be asked and answered in public. John's question gave opportunity for Jesus to answer it publicly. Yes, I am. But what did you go out and see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Those who wear soft clothing are in a king's palace. Jesus is making a direct contrast here to the Pharisees, who John uh, openly and commonly just lamented. Uh, he just badgered them continually. Um uh, how they presented them, uh, himself and his ministry as a contrast. John had no desire for wealth or worldly power or respect. The template for those who present the gospel. You will either be a Pharisee or you will be John. Or most likely some sort of blender too. But you have to understand that if you're claiming the authority of scripture, if you're claiming that uh, God has put you somewhere to do something, he has given you a ministry, uh, you have to be careful of being a Pharisee, uh, especially if it becomes what we call, quote-unquote, socially uh, acceptable or socially relevant. Uh, if, it, if you gain some power from it or prestige from it, 
Um, you have to be very careful. Then he says, but what did you go out and see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. Uh, Luke 1, 7, 76 says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his way. That was speaking of John. And this, this is Scripture telling us who John is. Luke 20, 3 through 6, Jesus answered, said to them, I will ask you a question and you tell me. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. And was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? They reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death. <laughs> For they were convinced that John was a prophet. See, that's the important part of this. The people were so connected to John that they would have stoned the Pharisees if they talked poorly about John. I mean, that's, in a way, if you will remember who arrested Jesus, it was the uh, Pharisees at first. <clears throat> the Pharisees, the, the temple guards did not arrest John. Herod had him arrested uh, because that's how much clout he had. It took someone like Herod. And verse 10 says, This is the one to whom it is written, Behold, I send you my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. This is Jesus saying what was said to him. This is Jesus quoting what God said to him. The you in this is Jesus. And the I is God. And the one that's being sent is John. So in this one sentence in verse 10, the three are all together in, in God's plan. The people believed that the Messiah would come and judge the Gentiles. That's what everybody was looking for. And please don't forget this. Everything that's going on here, this undercurrent of what people actually, what God is bringing compared to what people want. And man, they are two different things. Um, the people want deliverance, social and political deliverance, deliverance from the Romans, the Gentiles. They want Israel to be in all of its glory again, a kingdom of its own, uh, ruling the entire area. And that's what they're looking for in a Messiah. And at first they looked at John, and John told them plainly, I'm not him, but this guy is. And Scripture made it clear that while the unbelievers would be judged, God was going to judge and refine his own people. See, they weren't very sharp on those things. Not many wanted to hear that. Uh, John brought that message to the Jews and the religious leaders. Uh, who did John, what, what was the message John preached? Repent. The kingdom of God is near. Who did he preach it to? The Jews. He told the Jews, you need to repent because the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, is near. The big deal is coming. Now, repent means you're doing something wrong and you need to stop doing it. You need to admit it and stop doing it and turn to God. Uh, Malachi 3, 1 through 4. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger. He will clear the way before me, and the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. 
Who's he purifying here? The Gentiles? New. No. And refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. He's going to purify the sons of Levi are who? Priests. The priest. The religious leaders. I'm going to start there. Because why? Because they need to be purified. Uh, then offering, then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. He will start by purifying his priest, and when he is done, his people will act right. His people. There's nothing here about the Gentiles. This spoke to the time of this writing. Uh, this spoke to the time of the writing, the time of Christ and the return of Christ. This spoke to all three. That little thing speaks to all three events. What's happening there and then, what's happening with Jesus Christ now, and what will happen in the end. What he does with his people is consistent. Amos 5, 15 through 24. This is God's people. Hate evil, love God, and establish justice in the gates. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. In other words, repent, and perhaps God will bless you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the Lord, there is wailing in the plazas, in all the streets they say, alas, alas. They also call the farmer to the mourning and the professional mourners to lamentation. In all the vineyards there is wailing, because I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. Alas, you are longing for the day of the Lord. For what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light. See, they're asking God to come and god says are you really sure you want me to do that because when i show up i'm gonna deal with stuff and, and that was that was out of amos yep yeah and uh, when a man <laughs> what a beautiful thing god come and fix this god says oh i'll come and fix it but i'm gonna start with you nobody wants to hear that but i mean that is if there is a enemy of christianity if there is a thorn in the theology it is this we don't grasp it it is about you it's not about pointing out other people's flaws and how bad the goats are and what's wrong with this person it's about you it's about the mirror it always has been Amos is just yep right between the eyes yep i actually read that nothing's like nothing's nothing sugar-coated here yeah <laughs> and when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him or goes home, leaves his hands against the wall, and a snake bites him. <laughs> Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light? Even gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do light in your solemn assemblies. I don't like you in church. You go to church, and I'm not happy. Because you're you. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, you go through the motions, you do the rituals. I will not accept them. I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Stop singing hymns. I will not even listen to the sounds of your harps. But let justice rule down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Act right. Be righteous. Stop doing all that and saying, you know, you go to church, you, you do your stuff, you sing your hymns, you listen to the scripture, and then you go out and act like a jerk. You treat people poorly. You, you know, you're, you're just harsh to everybody. And God's saying, what did you think you were doing when you came here? You think that pleased me? I, I You know, 
church is for you, not for me. <laughs> I don't need this. Verse 11. Truly I say, and this, by the way, this is God talking to who? His people, not the Gentiles, not the Romans. So all these people are praying, Lord, let your day come. And God's giving a warning. Are you sure you want that to happen? Because when I come, this is what's going to happen. And he didn't talk about the Philistines or anybody else. This is what I'm going to do with you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, this is a great man, this one here. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Now let's stop and think about that for a minute. Who all had been born by women? Wow. I mean, Moses, David, I mean, Abraham, the heavy hitters. I mean, you know, the uh, all-stars of Scripture. Isaiah, Jeremiah, just go through the list. Josiah, you know, and he says not one of them lived a better life. And that's basically what he's saying, a more righteous life than him. Because just about all those other people, you can go through and find the flaws, and Scripture shows you their flaws. There isn't one flaw ever shown of John the Baptist. We see them of Paul. We see them of everybody. But we don't see one of John the Baptist. But yet, uh, brothers and sisters, this, this is the grace of God. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That speaks to law versus grace. And that sentence right there is why I can sit here in full confidence of my salvation. It's not because I earned it. It's not because I deserve it. It's because he wants me to have it and I accept it. And he paid for it. Um, John was a great prophet. But the criminal on the cross who repented just before his death and was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Who Christ makes clean is clean indeed, is completely clean. The phrase kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, it's used interchangeably, is used over 70 times in the New Testament, over 30 times in Matthew. It's a, it's a big Matthew phrase. When you hear it, it speaks to the eternal realm and often is used to note its effect and control over the temporal realm. It's that, uh, the big picture, you know, eternal. We're talking where it really matters. Whenever you hear that phrase, I'm stepping out of this, uh, all the silly things that we worry about here, and we're going up to the big stuff that really matters, where eternity is established. It arrived with Christ, the kingdom of heaven, and it will be fulfilled, completed when he returns. This is why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Revelations 11.15 speaks to this actually occurring. Revelations 11.15 tells us when the kingdom of heaven, you know, what's the phrase from the Messiah? The kingdom above our God has become the kingdom of this earth in the handles Messiah. I can't remember how it goes, but this is that yeah. moment. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Yeah. I thought I thought I thought of that before. <laughs> you were ahead of yourself. Yeah, well, I, yeah, well, yeah. I'm pretty slow, so it's easy to do. Um, <laughs> Revelations 11:15. Uh, this is what we're all waiting for. 
the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. The kingdom of God is declared to be the kingdom of Christ at that moment. It's his. He earned it. Because what is the kingdom? Us. Who do we belong to? Him. It's God making it official in the heavens and on earth so that everybody knows. I always say it at every Christmas Eve. No one will ask again, what child is this? Everybody's going to know. It'll never be asked again. Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Luke 22, 17 through 18. And we had the cup and given thanks. He said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. Revelations eleven fifteen. So that answers that question. Verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent men take it by force. Well, there's been a lot written about this, going a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, I, what I've learned after overthinking it is not to overthink it. Uh, though not plain, not a plainly phrased translation. It, there are some phrases in Hebrew and in Greek and in Aramaic that it's hard to find a corresponding word. Uh, this speaks to the reaction of the religious leaders to John and to Jesus. The reaction of the people when they discovered what Jesus was here to do. They tried to make it be what they wanted it to be. They tried to take that kingdom that John pronounced that Jesus brought and make it theirs to do what they wanted with it. They tried to make it what they wanted his coming to be. But don't we all do that with God? Don't we all make him in our minds what we want him to be and it takes well it's taken me years to just start willing away at that and you know he never was what i wanted him to be i need to be what he wants me to be and and the only way to do that is to know him as he actually is uh the reaction of the people when they discovered what jesus was here to do they tried to make it be what they wanted to be when it came with john Many tried to take a hold of it and use it for their purposes. This continues today. That's why John would, in my opinion, uh, that's why John would so openly uh, chastise the religious leaders. They would have loved to latch on to his kind of power because they wanted power. And they, that's why they were there. I mean, they would have loved to, you know, John's with us. You know, one of them deals. And John just wouldn't allow it. I mean, he openly rebuked them and publicly. Brood of vipers. Yeah, brood of vipers. I mean, don't come, what he says, don't come here to try to do what I think you're coming here to do. Because it ain't happening. Uh, Jeremiah 45, 5. But you are seeking great things for yourself. <laughs> do not seek them. For behold, I'm going to bring disaster on all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give your life to you as booty and all the places where you may go. This is God Jeremiah. Don't even think about seeking to make your life great here. Because hard times are coming, but I'm going to keep you alive. That's what you get out of this. It says, do not seek them. Stop it. Don't do it. When you have 
the kind of ear, the, the voice that turns ears. You have power. This is why people come after Christianity, because Christianity has power. Power to influence people. So they want to get in there and use it. And it, every one of us has to guard ourselves. Well, especially when you go up on that pulpit. I mean, it's really important because uh, it's really, it's a, but you are, but you, are you seeking great things for yourself? This is God talking to Jeremiah. <laughs> Don't seek them. Stop it. Don't do it. I mean, that's the great warning. Uh, Luke 13, 23 through 24. But someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few of us being saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter, but will not be able to. And what's stopping them? They're going through the door for the wrong reasons. I mean, uh, let me deal with that for a second. Uh, you know, because it deals with inclusion, which has become a big word in the last 15 years. And it's taken on its own meaning, inclusion. Let me tell you who's included. Anybody that repents and turns to the Lord for salvation is included. Anyone who does not repent and turn to the Lord for salvation is not included. It's that simple. It doesn't matter. Anything else doesn't matter. Uh, you know, what your orientation is, what your nationality is, what your political beliefs are, means nothing. That's the only thing that means anything. That's what includes you. Repentance and turning to the Lord for salvation. That's it. You're included. If you don't do that, I don't care who you are. I don't care how righteous you think you are, what your background is, how often you go to church. You're not included. It says many, many will not be able. And why? Pride. It's always pride. Verse 13. Let me see where I'm at before I get carried away because I'm running a little bit later. Uh, we're good. For all the prophets and the laws prophesied until John. In other words, what he's saying is on the timeline of God, God is giving us a look. He pulled out the timeline and he pointed to it and said, that's John. Everything before this went up to John. John showed up to tell you something's happening. Everything that happened before, John came to tell you that it's happening now. It says, this is where we are on the timeline. And once again, I remind you, it's, oh, you know, whenever it gets tough and I get cranky and I know that's hard to believe that I'm cranky, but, you know, and when, you know, life gets a little hard and you're just like, oh, you know, you pray that prayer of Elijah. Oh, take me home, Lord. You know, woe is me. And God says, I don't need your help telling you when to take you home. I know when I'm taking you home. Shut up. Go do what you're supposed to do. Um, I need to step back once in a while and look at the big, and I'm going to preach on this in a couple of weeks stepping back and looking at the big picture every once in a while because you can get so wrapped up looking at the trees that when you step back and look at the forest, you go, wow, and it just makes it better. And part of that wow is the timeline. You know, God has uh, has an exact plan that he has laid out, you know, creation, uh, the fall, uh, his people, uh, the law, uh, David established as the line. All this is... Jesus, John coming, Jesus being born, Jesus living, dying and rising again. All that's past. The only thing that's left is preaching the word to all the world. God pouring out his spirit on all men and Jesus returning. 
So I don't know. I can't put this into years, but I'm saying is what has to be accomplished. It's like four fifths of it is done. And here we are. And I go, wow, what a privilege it is to be here right here right now. With all the things that we've been given, all those things feed up to now so that the Holy Spirit indwells us. I forgot that one. That That's huge. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I must leave so he can come. So that when we need to know something about scripture, we don't have, what is, what are we up to now? Eight billion people trying to go to him and say, hey, what about, he doesn't have this long line of people, eight billion people asking him a question. It's in us. And that's huge stuff. That's where we're at. Uh, so he tells us that that's how important John is. It led to John, is what he's saying. That's John's really important. And then he says the big one. And if you're willing to accept it, <laughs> he gives a caveat about your faith. If you're willing to accept it. <laughs> well, if he's telling you what it's true, he's the author of Scripture. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He caused everything to happen. And he's going, what he's saying is, I know this is going to be hard for you to get basically is what he's saying he, he's giving a uh some grace to us for our you know our shortcomings mentally emotionally john himself is elijah who was to come now that's interesting because the scripture it says he's not so cheryl why is that i don't know okay well i hope hoped you would know anyway i'll ask you later <laughs> now we're, we're gonna look at it for those who accept the message that John brought, and it's the message, you're talking about in the spirit of Elijah. You're not talking about actual Elijah. We're talking about that same message that John brought. He was Elijah-like. For those who did not, Elijah has yet to come to them and be recognized. Think of Elijah as the gospel, a message. The prophetic message from God, not the prophet. That's what has to come. The same spirit that went into Elijah is now in John. Now, me personally, uh, I believe this world is going to see Elijah again. I, I can't prove that. But there are two people who never died. Uh, Elijah and Enoch. And scripture says, all flesh must die. Now, in Revelations, uh, maybe it's a stretch, and I, I don't ever go to Revelation and say, I know this, man. And anybody tells you they go to Revelations and they're telling you, I know what this means, just put something else on TV. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, there will be the two prophets who come back, who come to the earth and witness for a certain amount of days, and then they are killed, and their bodies are left hanging. I honestly believe it just makes sense. Not that it needs to be, but it just makes sense to me. Enoch and Elijah. Eli the spirit of Elijah in the Old Testament, the spirit of Elijah with Christ, the spirit of Elijah right before Christ comes again. So to me, that, you know, it makes, it all wraps it up neatly for me. Not that it needs to be. Uh, Malachi 4, 5 through 6. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. See, now that's another uh, reference that may go my way to Revelations. He will restore the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. What did John the Baptist come preaching? 
repentance. The kingdom is near. What stops God from smiting the land with a curse? Repentance. You cannot overestimate two things in Scripture. The power of pride and the power of repentance. They are absolute. John 1, 9-23, the testimony of John when the Jews sent him to the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem asking, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they said to him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he says, I am not. And then remember, Jesus just said, If you're willing to accept it, if you get this, what I'm saying, no, he's not the person Elijah. Okay. Are you the prophet? He answers, No. Oh, by the way, when he says, are you the prophet? That means the prophet, the one that is from the Old Testament foretold, which was Jesus. And they said to him, who are you? That, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now he links himself to Isaiah after saying, you know, I'm not Elijah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not Elijah. But Isaiah is telling you exactly who I am. Luke 1, 15 through seventeen. It addresses the difference between John one and Matthew eleven. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be. This is John. Uh, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. That's only said of a couple. You know, can't remember who else. That was said of somebody else. And when he turned. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to their Lord, which is what the other one said, so that I will not smite their land. Okay. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. There. I went a long way to get to that, but it just outright says it. So, you know, if, there, if you have confusion over Jesus saying he is and John saying he's not, they're talking about two different things. Jesus is saying, yes, he is the Elijah as far as the spirit and the message that needs to come, but he's not the person Elijah. And here it says it plainly in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the power to do what? To turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so, that, so as to make ready a people prepared for God. Make ready a people prepared for God. Who came after him? Jesus. God. Mark 9, 11 through 13. And they asked him, saying, Why is it the scribes say Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does come first and restore all things. This is God, Jesus talking. And how is written the Son of Man that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come, and they did to him whatever they wished just as it is written of him. See, so don't get confused by what, what, these, what appears to be different things. The message, the power of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah is John, but it is not Elijah. Okay. Oh, I, we'll finish up with this. Here's, indulge me. This, this is my uh, Revelations 11, 3 through 14. This is my Elijah and Enoch moment. I just thought I threw it in there. I forgot I threw it in there. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. 
These are the two olive trees, the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So if anyone wants to harm them, they must be killed in this way. These have power to shut up the sky so the rain will not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the water to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague. So they often desire. This is miracles will once again hit the earth, but miracles in the ways of plagues. When they have finished their testimony, the beast will come up out of the abyss and will make war with them and cover them, overcome them and kill them. And their bodies will lie on the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt. And where there is also where their Lord was crucified. Jerusalem. Those from the people and the tribes and the tongues of the nation will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in the tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate. And they will send gifts to one another because these, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So they'll celebrate their death. And after three and a half days, the breath of life from God came up into them and they stood on their feet and a great fear fell over those who were watching them. Uh, this is when God says, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind in the end times. Uh, all the things, this is how you know you're not in end times, because things like this aren't happening. There's not going to be any doubt. In other words, when, when it's end times, you're going to know. They heard a loud voice from heaven saying, saying to them, come up here. They went up to heaven in the cloud and their enemies watched them. And that hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to God in heaven. The same people that were celebrating their death is now giving, they, they saw them rise from the dead. They saw them going to heaven. They had an earthquake hit, and then they decided, maybe we should give glory to God. Uh, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And we'll leave it there. Any questions, comments, or criticisms? I have a, we'll skip over it. I pretty much explained it. I have a excerpt from the Bible exploratory uh, commentary about the John Elijah thing, but I pretty much got over it. So we'll pick up on 15 when we come back. Any questions, anything? Let me write that down. Verse 15. So that when I come back next time. I have one question. On verse 10, you said, when it says, Behold, I send, the I is God, my messenger, messenger John, uh, before your face, who will prepare your way before you, you meaning Jesus. So all three are mentioned. Yeah, they're all in there. Yeah, okay. that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is interesting. The little conversation in heaven that we, that we get privy to. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word. And as always, Lord, we ask that your word just get embedded into our hearts and change us. And uh, we just ask, Father, that you watch over my brothers and sister, sisters here and make them strong, wise, brave, and compassionate and help them to glorify your name and what they think, what they do, and what they say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, have a great week. And thanks for coming. Thank you.